Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Morning, everybody. Good to be in church on a Sunday, isn't it? Woo. Okay, now, I'm going to talk fast, so hang on. Uh, got a couple new books out there. Uh, Angel, my wife, and I wrote our first book together. This has been an adventure, and uh, we didn't do it together, but we did it together. <laughs> it's turned out really good. Anyhow, it's called Smart Moms, What They Think, Say, Do, and Pray. And because uh, moms saved our country, they saved the world. Moms save everything, you know. Uh, I remember used to, uh, early in the years, the NFL, camera go down the sideline, big old boys, NFL, and they'd, they'd look at the camera and they'd wave, and about 90% of the time, they're waving at their mother. Hey, Mom. Hey, love you, Mom. <laughs> and they never waved their dad. I don't know where Dad was, but it's always Mom. And so, and then you hear testimonies, uh, you know, you know, it's my mom that made me do what was right. My mom that would chase me down. My mom would grab my mother here and pull me and make me do my homework stuff. And so, mom saved everything. And so, um, this is about smart moms because smart moms don't have to lean on God. Uh, smart moms don't ever get discouraged. Not really, because they know, you know, I'll get God involved in this. We'll take care of this. Uh, you worried about your kids? No, I'm sick. God on them. I guarantee you. And so <laughs> they're not going anywhere. And so this turned out really good. So this thing's loaded. But this is the one I'm going to talk about today. This is a, did this, uh, had this about a year and a half. I should have written this book 40 years ago, but I didn't. I taught on it 40 years ago uh, when I was a school administrator and uh, I had about 700 kids. And um, I started teaching chapel. We'd have chapel 170 days a year. And so uh, I hated having chapel in a Christian school because it's, it's horrible. Because we got Christian kids that are Baptist, Methodist, Church of Christ, Church of God, Assembly of God. We've got a zoo out there. So whatever you teach, nine out of ten of them are going to get mad at you. And they're not going to agree with it. And so I realized, we're going to have to change some things up. So uh, I had a guy teaching chapel, but I had to let him go. Because it got ugly. It just got ugly. And that's about all I can say about it. And so I'm trying to find somebody else. And finally the board said, well, you need to do it. I said, what? He said, you need to do it. You worked with kids a long time. I said, okay. So anyhow, so I went over. I realized after the first couple of days, this isn't going anywhere. So chapel was 50 minutes long. So the first thing I did, I cut chapel from 50 minutes to 30 minutes. It's only a 30-minute class once you know, every day at school. And then uh, a week later, I said, don't anybody bring your Bible to class. Don't ever bring your Bible to chapel because they weren't reading it. And these are Christian kids, but they don't read their Bible. And I remember one day I said, turn to Hephaniah chapter 4, verse 2. And so kids are flipping, you know, and what page is that on, you know? And so I had a senior come up to me the next day. Mr. McGee, there's not a half an eye in the Bible. That's right, son. That's how stupid you are. There's not a half an eye. I said, I'm not ever going to tell you what page it's on. Look it up yourself. It's a really kind of unique book. It's been around forever. Read your own Bible. And so I tried to teach them how to read their own Bible and what was in it. And it's because the Bible says, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The Bible says in Hebrews, without faith, you can't please God. Without faith, you cannot resist the devil. We live on an alien planet. Uh, Satan is a temporary current God of planet Earth. That's why prisons are full and orphanages are full and hospitals are full. Hell's in charge. People say, where's God at? He's in heaven. There's a laser light show and people are singing. It's air conditioned. It's really nice. 
God's not allowed down here unless somebody invites him. We call that prayer. <laughs> That's deep. One of the things I did when I got on a church staff, and I worked as an engineer for 12 years, and I loved my job, but God dealt with me back going into the ministry, so I quit my job, went back to Bible school for three years and got on a church staff, and so they put me in charge of the education department. Now, that's just a fancy title for I'm in charge of anybody that's under the age of 18. And so I realized something. We got a group of people that don't, they don't know diddly. They don't. And so what's wrong with them? They don't know the Word of God. And so the Bible says, you know, 3 John 2, uh, Joshua 1, 8, Psalms 1, 2, 3, you're supposed to teach the Word of God on a daily basis. If you meditate in the Word of God day and night, you'll prosper and have good success. And so I knew people, big family. My dad had 12 brothers and sisters, so did my father. And we came from big families. And so some turned out good, some didn't turn out at all. <laughs> it just, they went stupid. And so every year we'd have family reunions. And man, Billy Bob went stupid. Where's he at? And where's, where's Frankie? Well, he went stupid too. Well, we got too many of them going stupid on us. And we realized something. Well, what? well they weren't in church. If you're not in church, you're probably not reading your Bible. And if you are in church, you're probably not reading your Bible. You need to read your Bible. You need to meditate in the Word day and night. That's how you prosper have good success. Since we're on an alien planet, we're behind enemy lines. But we do have armor, Ephesians 6. We got the breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, sword of the Spirit, helmet of salvation. You got to get your armor on. And we're expected to storm the gates of hell. We're not trying to hide from hell. I hope nothing bad happens to me. Well, it's going to. Hell's going to make it run at you. Hell's an equal opportunity. A hater hates everybody the same. And so as a child of God, you need to learn the Word of God early. You need to meditate in the Word day and night. You need to read the Scripture every day. And say, well, it doesn't mean anything. Well, it will eventually. Read it again. And I had my kids, they had a, I gave them a verse every week, one verse a week. One verse, not a chapter, one verse. I, I knew they were, they were just they're burying them in Scripture. We need to read these 14 chapters this week. They're not going to read it. If they do, they don't know what it means. So I take three by five cards and put one verse. I said, this is your verse of the week. You have seven days to memorize it. Then the week we meet on Sunday afternoon, I said, okay, stand in front of me. And these are my six kids. Tell me what the verse says. No, you're going to have to do that verse again next week. No, no. You got to get. And so I'd make them memorize. It's just one verse, guys. It can't be that hard. You're doing you know, things in school. So memorize one verse of Scripture. If you'll do that, you're loading up. And the Bible says, you know, and I'm told them, I said, the Bible says, when the word comes, when the word of God comes, the devil comes immediately. And people think, well, dear God, don't read your Bible. Well, no, that's a dumb thing. Because <laughs> hell's coming either way. But hell's really attracted when you get in the Word. So you start getting the Word of God, and hell's going to show up really quick. I don't know how many of my family members got born again in Spirit Field, and they'd call about two or three weeks after they get born again. Dear Lord Joe, hell's just dropped on my head. I, I finally got in the family of God, and hell's just, welcome to the family. Praise God, you're one of us now. You got to get to Ephesians 6 and get your armor on, doofus. And you got to read your scripture every day. You got to start loading up. And so you can't just wishy-washy with this thing. So I was teaching, going through all this years ago, and first working with high school kids. So I realized there's just four kinds of kids in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 1. There's wise kids or adults. I made it for kids. There's wise, there's simple, there's foolish, there's scornful. That's the only four kinds there are in the Bible. So wise people live a long time. I like that. I want to live a long time. They're filthy, stinking rich. They have favor of the king. You know, they can scale the wall of a city and take it captive. Nothing bad ever happens to a wise person. Nothing. But if you're not wise, you're stage two. You're simple-minded. You're not evil. You're not full of the devil. You just don't know diddly. You're an ignorant individual. 
And so hell's going to make a run at you. But if you stay simple-minded too long, you become crafty. You know, <laughs> you get really messed up because you think you can outsmart everything. So you become a fool. The Bible says it's sport for a fool to make mischief. They think they can get away with stuff all the time. But the Bible also says that a fool is like a dog that pukes his guts out and eats it again. That's not good. You don't want that. <laughs> and so if you stay a fool too long, you become stage four, you become a scorner. Scorners hate those that love them. Scorners hate authority. They hate everybody in authority. And so that's the last stage. And nasty is going to happen to the scorner. And so this book has all four sections. It's nothing but scripture. This middle small book is nothing but scripture. And it's about the four kinds of kids. Now, the first chapter is the only one you need to read. And by the way, you don't need to buy this book. It's in, your, it's in Proverbs. The Giddings will give you a Bible for free. But if you buy my book, it's $8. And there's only one-fourth of it worth reading. The other three-fourths aren't worth reading. I'm telling you the truth. But the one-fourth worth reading is worth its weight in gold. And so... People said, how would you have good kids? And I said, they weren't good. They were born stupid and mean as snot. Pooped in their britches, messed everything up. Lie, steal stuff. They had to be trained. That's what the Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go. And I've had so many parents, Christian parents, well, you just never know how they're going to turn out. Well, I do. The Bible gave me an instruction. It, they came with a manual. <laughs> they came with a book. You, you got to read the book. Because they came with a book. This tells you what to do with them. But if you don't read the book, then you've got a mess on your hands. And they're going to cost you a ton of money and embarrass you. And I've had people say, is that your kid? Dear Lord, I don't know whose kid that is. It's not mine. Not mine. <laughs> and so I said, well, here's what you need to do. I'm just, this is the abbreviated section because I double-wrote everything in the book. All four chapters are double-written. Uh, first is the long version with all the, chap all the verses in detail. Then at the end of it, I wrote the abbreviated version of all the stuff in that chapter. So here's what it says about wise children. And this is really good. Uh, Proverbs 1.5. Wise children or adults will increase in learning. They won't stay ignorant all their life. Well, that's a horrible thing to stay a doofus. Because doofuses are expensive. Now, I love my kids. I love every one of them. Now, I wanted them. I wanted a big family. But the goal was to get them out of the house. Now, you think I'm being funny. I'm not. The goal is to get you out of here. And that's the goal. And so uh, all, all my kids went to a good school and went to college. Uh, I paid for the wedding. Uh, I paid for their honeymoon, bought their first car, fixed their crooked teeth. But at every wedding, and I'm not at every wedding, I held my hand out at every wedding. I said, put your door key in my hand. And don't you ever come back to my house unless I invite you. <laughs> and you think I'm funny. I'm very serious. I'm not lying. I did it at every wedding. Don't come back to my house unless I invite you. And so if you come to my house and I haven't invited you, I will not open up the door. I will not let you in. Because my job is to train you and, into an adult and release you into the world. Go. And go with God. And I don't care if I ever see you again. I'll see you in heaven. We're going to live forever in eternity. But go do what God calls you to do. And so everybody put the story and said, don't come to my house. And said, if you do come to my house, you call first. Hey, Dad, we'd like to come out and say, well, come on. That'd be, we're glad to have you. But when you come to my house, you bring food. <laughs> now, I'm not being funny. I'm very serious. You can ask any of my adult kids. You come to my house, you better bring food. You're not eating my food. You're going to bring food with you. And you can leave the leftovers with me. 
and then I want you to go home before it gets dark and you take your children with you. <laughs> and so now I, I'm a newlywed. I've been married three years now. Angel and Angel, I do not agree on this at all. So this is my side, not her side. But in the, my whole life, none of my grandchildren have ever spent the night with me, ever. And I told him, they're not spending the night with me. They're your kids. I raised my six, and they're gone. Now you get to raise yours. Dad, can you watch the kids? No. No. They can come over and play, hang out, but no. If the sun goes down, they're, coming, they're going to your house. And if you can't afford to hire somebody else, but they're not staying with me. I'm not, your, I'm not the doorstep you're going to drop them on. And so my grandkids, and I love, I got six wonderful grandkids. I love them, we have a great relationship, and I spend a lot of money on them, but they have never spent the night at my house, which means they've never peed in my bed. <laughs> they've never kept me up at 2 o'clock in the morning. They don't jump on my bed. I love my bed. My bed is a holy of holies in my house, and it's clean, and it stays that way. That'll help somebody. So anyhow, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, wise people inherit glory or honor. Proverbs 9, 8, they love those that rebuke them. Wise people love to be corrected. They love to be gotten onto. Thank you, Dad, for correcting me. I didn't realize how stupid I was. I appreciate you pointing that out. God bless you. Now, how many kids say that? But if you're not corrected on a regular basis, you stay stupid. People that grow up, people that achieve great things in life have been corrected a lot confronted a lot, you know. If you're not willing to be confronted, you'll never grow. You'll stay a doofus. Oh, you might be 55. You're still a five-year-old thumbsucker because you've never grown up. I know what I'm doing. No, you don't. Bless your heart. You're a doofus. Bless your heart. <laughs> Proverbs 10.1, they make their father glad, wise kids do. Woo. Proverbs 10.14, they lay up knowledge. Proverbs 10.19, they refrain their lips. They know when to shut their mouth. Don't unload your brain on a table because most of it isn't worth listening to. Just keep it to yourself, okay? Keep it to yourself. Proverbs eleven thirty. they know how to win others to Jesus. They're soul winners. Proverbs twelve eighteen. their tongue brings healing. When they open their mouth, they're going to leave people better than they find them. Ooh, that's deep. Uh, Proverbs 13, 1, they hear their father's instruction. Proverbs 14, 3, their lips preserve them. Proverbs 14, 16, they depart from evil. They don't stay where there's evil. Proverbs 14, 24, their crown is their riches. They're going to be blessed. And I told my kids, uh, I said, you owe me. You owe me. Parents lay up for the children, children lay up for the parents. You owe me good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Now, I've had family that say, well, I'll be glad you're out of my house. I'll be glad when you're out of here. I've never said that to my kids. I said, when I'm 90 and you're 70, you still owe me. And so I've told my kids, don't you ever buy anything for me at my birthday or my anniversary or Christmas that fits in a box. I go to Walmart by myself. So if you buy me something, it'll be about a cruise going somewhere or Winnebago coming up the driveway. And so I've been on two cruises and I've got one pickup truck. My kids. And I've told them every Christmas, Dad, we're saving up. God bless you. Big Winnebago, 32 foot. You think I'm joking. I'm serious. You owe me. You owe me. And I told one daughter, she got married, and she's a college professor today. She's real smart and great lady. But she got married and married this guy, good man, and they lived in a gated community. I didn't know what that was. I grew up in the country. What's a gated community? So I wondered one time I couldn't get in. So I called. How come I can't get in? What's well, a gated community? What you, I didn't know what that is. What is that? Well, you can't get in unless you have a password. Well, what is it? You know? And so, and so, uh, 
Anyhow, she got married and she didn't call the house for like a couple of months. I said, listen, I'm glad you're gone. God bless you. I'm proud of you. But you need to call your mom every now and then, okay? Just a little couple of minutes conversation. Hey, mom, how you doing? Love you. We're doing great. And that's all she needs. Doesn't mean. And so, so it went on for about three months. She didn't call. So I called one day. I said, you know, honey, I, I need to tell you something. I said, I've got a couple of weeks off. And said, uh, I'm not going to shave or bathe for the next two weeks. I'm going to get skanky. And I live in a country and I can get skanky. I can sleep on a porch and I can get skanky. And I said, two weeks from now, I'm going to sneak into your neighborhood. And I'm going to put a pup tent up on your front yard. And I'm going to build a fire in your front yard. And I'm going to call the local Tulsa world. They're going to come out of sunup. They're going to interview me. Sir, is there a problem? Yes, these are my children and they've abandoned me. And I'm going to put you in the front page of the paper. We got an invitation that day. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, their lips disperse knowledge, Proverbs 15, 7, and Proverbs 16, 14. They pacify the wrath of a king. They know how to calm people down, not stir stuff up. Proverbs 16, 21, they are prudent. Now, that's a great word. You ought to look that word up. Proverbs 17, 2, they rule well over others. They're very fair. They know how to handle people. Proverbs 18, 15, their ear seeks knowledge. Proverbs 20, verse 1, they're not deceived by wine or strong drink. Uh, I grew up in an alcoholic family, so I know about getting drunk and drinking because I had a family that did that. I never drank, ever. And when I was in the Army, people said, well, you going to get a beer? I said, nope. Uh, I get a tomato juice or a Pepsi or Coca-Cola. I don't want a beer. You don't drink? No. Are you religious? No, I'm probably going to hell right now if Jesus comes. I, I didn't know Jesus, but I, I didn't drink. I said, I grew up in an alcoholic family, so I had, I had relatives that drink, get drunk, puke. And so uh, it's nasty. Puke's nasty. Drunks are nasty. And so well, we live way out in the country, so coming out of Tulsa, South Tulsa, we went to this little town called Bixby, and there's like five beer joints right in a row, skanky little places. And my kids always played sports. We'd have, you know, softball, baseball, football, soccer. They're all playing something. So we'd be coming home late, usually on the weekend. And I'd come through, and all the kids are sleeping in the back of the suburban. We'd been busy all for the last three days. I'd pull into the parking lot of, of one of the beer joints, and I'd just back up. And everybody's asleep, and I'd sit there for a little bit, and all of a sudden a kid would wake up. Dad, where are we at? We home? No. Where are we at? We're at the beer joint. Dad, somebody will see us. No, they won't. Nobody from church is here. If you are, just wave at them. I said, what are we doing? I said, well, I want you to see some drunks. Because all the commercials on TV, the drunks are all pretty. And they wear bikinis and little bathing suits. They don't have any fat on them. <laughs> We're going to see some real drunks. They're going to come out here in a little bit. <laughs> there wasn't nothing but fat people coming out of the beer joint. Some of them throwing up, staggering, falling on the ground. This is what real alcohol will do to you. So I used to tell you, you ever want a beer? You know, and I said, no, you don't want any stinking beer. You know, alcohol mess you up. Kills brain cells, by the way. I don't think you got that many to spare. Uh, Proverbs 18, 15, their ear seeks knowledge. Uh, Proverbs 21, 20, their, and their home is treasure to be desired. They know how to accumulate stuff. Proverbs 21, 22, they're not intimidated by the challenges or obstacles. They're optimists. They got an I can do attitude, and that's good. Proverbs 24, 5, they're strong. Proverbs 24, 23, they're not a respecter of persons. Proverbs 28, 7, they keep the law. Proverbs 28, they turn away wrath. Proverbs 29, 11, they control their tongue. Now, that's all in Proverbs. What happens to wise people? They end up really good. Life ends up good. So how do you get wisdom? Well, the Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, Psalm 34. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. What do you need? Well, you need to fear God. 
So I prayed it this morning. I prayed it last night. I prayed it twice today. Father, I give you permission to teach Sarah, Jessica, Cortez, Lauren, John. Teach my children to fear you. For the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. With that wisdom comes Proverbs 3.16, long life, riches, and honor. What are you looking for? Long life, riches, and honor. I've told my kids, if Jesus tarries, you're coming to my funeral. I'm not coming to yours. I pray for your whole life. You're going to be here for a while. You might want to get your life together. You're going to get your own money. I'll support you. I'll fix your crooked teeth. I'll get you through school. I'll pay for your college. I'll pay for your wedding. After that, I don't even pay for nothing. That's the last dime you'll ever get from me. And I'm in it. So I love you. And I got the cancel checks to prove it. But now it's your turn to send me checks and buy me stuff. And people laugh. They think you're joking. I'm very serious what the Bible says. So honor, you're supposed to bring honor to the family name. You're not supposed to embarrass me. I better not read your name in the paper where you did something stupid. No, that's not right. So if you don't tell them, they don't know. You got to tell them up front what they're supposed to do. So I tell people, you know, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, uh, if you want wisdom, you have to, the Bible says, James, if you lack wisdom, ask God. He'll give it to you by the bucket load. So there's no reason not to have wisdom. It's, it's available, but you got to ask for it. Jesus said eight times in the New Testament, Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. Ask that your joy might be made full. You get what you ask for, but people don't know it's available. What do you ask for? I want a bucket load of wisdom. I want to live long, be blessed, have great kids, bring honor to the family name. I need wisdom, Father. I'm not a genius. I don't have a high IQ, but I do have wisdom. Why? It's available every day. And so every day there's something new. You think, well, I know what to do. No, you don't, because something new is going to come up tomorrow. Something's going to come in your life you've never seen before. You never imagined, but God saw it coming. God saw you come before your mother ever met your father. God saw me before my mom ever met my dad. And God said he'd order my steps, direct my path, show me things to come, show me the divine favor. God's trying to bless me. Well, I need to allow him. How do you do that? My faith. Without faith, you don't please God. What's faith? It's just believing what this book says. Well, you can't believe what the book says if you don't read the book. You got to read the book. You know, the Gideons give you one for free. Get in the book. Start in Proverbs. Read your proverb. Now, people that I get, that I lead to the Lord, well, where should I start? I say, well, read Revelation. I always, I'm, I'm sure, start, people say, well, start in John. No, forget John. Start in Revelation. Start with the end. Now, I've been married a long, long time. Uh, my first wife and I were married for 45 years. Uh, she wanted to be with Jesus five years ago, and I got remarried three years ago, and a great gal. And I had to do the same thing with both of them. Every now and then we'll watch a movie at home. So we're going to sit down and watch a movie? Sure. And before the movie starts, I say, how does this end? Now, my first wife knew. My, my new wife, she doesn't know. How does it, well, I'm not going to tell you. Then I'm not going to watch it. I'm not being funny. I'm saying, what? I'm not going to tell you it ends, then I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch the movie that ends stupid. I don't feed on stupid. I don't listen to stupid. I don't read stupid. I don't think stupid. The Bible says, think on these things. Whatever's lovely, honest, just, praiseworthy, they'll get a report. Think on these things. You've got to tell me how this ends, or I'm not going to watch it. So my wife still makes fun of because I've watched John Wayne and the Searchers at least, I don't know, 100 times. Why? It ends good. The good guy wins. All the movies that I've had over the years, now we got the clip now, but used to, they're on you know, VHS and CDs and whatever. My library had a library full of movies for my kids to watch. Every movie in that library, the good guy wins. We don't watch stupid. I don't watch stupid. Why? This ends real good. The people of God end real good. I read the end. It ends real good. It's a really good book. Now, in the beginning, it goes stupid. You got to start off with Genesis and 
The first family got fired from the job, evicted from the house, kids started killing each other. That's Genesis. You got to keep reading. <laughs> so halfway through, we have Silent Night holding out, we three kings are wearing our. Really good story. God knew that his men's going to go stupid. He knew it. I imagine he's sitting in heaven one day, Adam and Eve get fired, evicted, kids killing each other. And I imagine God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, they're just talking. Look at him, son. Gone stupid. Him. I knew he was going to go stupid. I'm going to have to send you down there to fix it. You're the only one I got, but you can't go like you. A human lost it, a human's got to get it back. So first, got to find some man on earth that'll give me his son. I got to find somebody on that planet that I can have a covenant with. So he's looking. So he finally finds this old codger, 100 years old. He couldn't have kids when he could have kids. He's too old to have them now. I found me a guy. He's my guy. I'm sure that well, he ain't got any kids. No, he's going to have one. And so the angel showed up one night and told him, and that, you know, brought him out. Get outside your tent, Abraham. Get out here. So he says, see the stars of heaven? He said, yeah, that's how many kids you're going to have. All right. <laughs> Take him down by the shore of the galley. You see all this sand? Uh -huh. That's how many kids you're going to have. Okay. Well, the Bible says when the angel told him that Sarah's eavesdropping in the tent, Sarah, she's not Sarah yet. She's a contentious woman. She's eavesdropping. The Bible says she bust out laughing because she heard the angel say, you're going to have a lot of kids. And she said in the King James, it's kind of racy. She said in the King James, shall I have pleasure seeing my Lord being old also? And the angel heard her and heard her laugh. I said, you laughed. She said, no, I didn't. And she lied. No. Well, you know, nine months later, she had herself a baby. That's a great story. Well, before that, we got Ishmael, and that's why we have high oil prices. <laughs> that's, that's too much theology this morning, but there's a reason. So anyhow, so she finally has you know, Isaac, and God has uh, Abraham take Isaac up on the mountain one day. Now, the mountain he took him up to is where the Dome of the Rock sits to this day. That was where Abraham always went to worship God, the Dome of the Rock, before the, God was using it long before the other bunch took over. So there's been a war going on from day one. And so God takes them up there, and they build the altar. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I said, hey, Dad, we forgot something. We forgot the, we forgot the sacrifice. No, son, lay down here. I want to tell you a story. So he tied his son up and laid him down the altar. You're the sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, that's who we're following, Abraham. We're following him. And so he raised the knife up. He, said, he, he had said within himself, if God has you, he'll raise his gift from the dead. He promised me this will be the first in my family line. And so before the knife came down, God saw his heart and said, son, stop. I saw your heart. In your heart, you just gave me your son. In your heart, you just gave me. So now through your family line, I can give my son. So Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1 is the family line of Mary, the family line of Joseph. Jesus was born legal. God does not cheat. God does what he says in his word. Be good to find out what he said because it will come to pass. It's an incredible book. So we got this process. So here on this planet, where we're behind enemy lines, Ephesians 6, I got on the armor of God, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, sword of the Spirit. What are you doing? I'm in a war, but I've been promised I'll fight. But I have to fight. I promised I'll win. God said, you'll have victory, but I have to fight. I have to resist the devil. The Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee. He's in sheer terror. So from my family, from my business, from my ministry, every day I get to believe God. And you can't get frustrated. Well, when's it going to work out good? Well, and once we go to heaven, because as long as we're on this planet, we have an enemy that's going to try to mess with us. Going to try to steal our business, steal our joy, steal our family, steal our marriage, steal our kids. He's a thief and a robber and a murderer, John 10, 10. He's supposed to be resisted, so I need to resist him. So I realized we can do it. Well, I need to start reading this Bible because this Bible produces faith. So it's a real short sermon. It's only about eight minutes long. Long introduction.
Numbers chapter 13, short sermon. The Bible's full of stories. This is one of my favorites. The, Israel, Israel's been a slave for 400 years. They went down to Egypt. They weren't slaves when they got there. They had favor because they were shepherds and the Pharaoh was a shepherd. So there are 30 Pharaohs in Egypt. Uh, 27 were city Pharaohs, three were country Pharaohs. Israel goes down where the first country Pharaoh was king. So he knew, he knew about sheep and cattle. They knew about it. So he gave them the land of ghosts. He gave them the best land, the best. And well, what happened was the last country Pharaoh died. The city Pharaoh took back over. And they don't like these country people. Plus, they're multiplying like rabbits. They're dropping babies like rainwater out of heaven. And so there's too many of them. And so all of a sudden, they, they started to make slaves out of them. Now they're stomping on the mud. And it's not good. So they finally cried out, God, we need help. And so God heard from heaven. And so, yes, you do. And so, because he was waiting on him to ask. So, you need help? Yes. Well, what happened was he didn't send the deliverer. He had a lady get pregnant that afternoon. Nine months later, she, put a, she pushed out a baby called Moses. Two years later, the devil got involved, demon-possessed Pharaoh, and ordered all baby boys, two years of age and under, be killed. She has to hide that boy in a basket, float him down the river. Now, Pharaoh's daughter, we didn't know, they had tabloids back then, but she couldn't read them. She couldn't get pregnant. And she's one of the people that knows she can't have a baby. But she finds this baby floating down the river. She says, I'll tell everybody this is my baby. And she picked that baby up. Well, Moses' mother showed up and said, I see you've got a baby. Who are you? She said, well, I'm a mother, but I've lost my child. She didn't lie. I've lost my child, but my breasts are full of milk. I'll be glad to nurse that baby for you. So Pharaoh's daughter hired Moses' mother to nurse him and to raise him. Because God has a wacky sense of humor. You're going to get to raise up the liver. Well, I'm going to have your enemy raise him up. Good education. Really good. So you know the whole story, and they made a movie about it. <laughs> so they got delivered. Uh, they finally went out, and, you know, we got to the Red Sea, and they drowned the Egyptian army. And Moses had that stick. He'd lift up and did some great stuff with it. So they're finally coming to the promised land, and they're here. They're about to go to the place they've been told their whole life. You're going to live in houses you didn't build. You're going to eat from vineyards you didn't plant. I'm going to bless you. I've been trying to bless your whole life, but I couldn't get you to respond to me. So God's trying to bless these thumb-sucking sinners. <laughs> now, the Bible says 10 times on the way to the wilderness, they sinned big time. Uh, God, tried to, God sent bitter water, no water, no food. God's trying to get his people to use something they've never used, trying to get them to use their faith. I need you to use your faith. But they wouldn't. They growled. So every time Moses had to slap the rod and the manna fell out of heaven. He's trying to get these. So they're finally to the promised land. So here's where this starts. It's a short story. So here's what Moses says. We're finally to the land we'd look for for 400 years. Uh, chapter 13 of Numbers, verse 1. The Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 tribes. So Moses did that. Verse 17, Moses gave the men these instructions, and they sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev. Go through the hill country. See what kind of land it is like. Find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or is it bad? Do the towns have walls? Are they unprotected? Are they, is the ground fertile or is it poor? Are there many trees? Do the best to bring back samples of the crops. So God's promised this land forever, but they're still not sure. Well, maybe it's not that good. You know, God said it was, but, you know, maybe it's not that good. So they go in, so verse 23, they, they come into the valley, about to come back, they're in there for 40 days, 
and said they found a, a branch, a single branch with a cluster of grapes on it, so large it took two men to carry it on a pole between them. Now, if you ever go to Israel, you land in Tel Aviv, uh, the first thing you see when you get off in the airport, Tel Aviv, this massive bronze statue of two grown men carrying a cluster of grapes. It's massive. It looks like cantaloupes hanging off of it. These are grapes from the promised land. This is the promised land, the land of more than enough. This is God's land, okay? He's trying to give it to his people. So they go, so they find the cluster of grapes, and then they find the pomegranates and the figs, and they're finding all kinds of stuff, and they're just so happy. Well, the 40 days are up, and they come back. So after exploring the land for 40 days, they come back to give a report to the children of Israel. And so they, the, they reported to the whole community what they had seen. They showed them the fruit they had taken. And this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. It is indeed a bountiful country. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's some of the fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants. Now giants are half-breeds between fallen angels and humans. That's what Goliath was. He wasn't normal. Ten foot, two inches tall, six fingers. He wasn't a freak of nature. He's a half-breed between a fallen angel and a human. Now there's a whole other seminar with that. He says, so, but the people are they're powerful. And their towns are large. He said, the, the Malachites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Elkhundra, the Canaanites live along the coast, the Mediterranean Sea. But Caleb, okay, Caleb tried to quiet the people, as they said before Moses. Caleb said, let's go at once. Let's take the land. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men exploring said, no, they disagree. We can't. They're too big. We even saw giants there, descendants of Anak. And that's then we look like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Well, did you ask them, hey, big guy, what do I look like? You look like grasshopper. <laughs> so here's the essence of the story. Twelve went in, and the twelve came back. The Bible says ten gave an evil report. Two gave a good report. Ten gave an evil report. Two gave a good report. They all saw the same thing. They ate the same food. They slept in the same place. What made two different? Two had faith. Ten didn't. Your whole life, that's going to be the difference maker. Whether you have faith or not. Without faith, you're not going to please God. Without faith, you're not going to scare the devil. It takes faith. Where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing this book. But if you don't read the book, you ain't got any faith. You just think you do. You can carry it. Carrying it, this Bible does not scare the devil. This book in you coming out of your mouth, that scares hell. That's why the Bible says when the word comes, when the word comes, the devil comes immediately to steal it. Because the devil knows what's going to slap him. This book and your heart coming out of your mouth. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the weak say I'm strong. That's poor sandwich. Call those things to be not as though they are. Somebody's living the way God told us to live. It's a simple choice. Now I go to churches. This is my 28th year to travel. We do about 60 churches a year. Uh, we got a great uh, podcast we do every week, and uh, we got a publishing company. We're trying to spread the good news. I tell you, we live in the greatest time of human history. The greatest day is right now. God has been living for this day. In the last days, I'll pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. You'll dream dreams. You'll have visions. In the last days, God said, I'll be moving like a freight train. But nobody's going to see me because you've got to be looking for me. Every time Jesus did a miracle, every time, Matthew, Mark, Luke, every time Jesus did a miracle, the first thing Jesus said was, shh, don't tell anybody. That was for you. 
God's a one-on-one personal God. People are looking for the news. God's not on the news. He didn't have a TV channel. God didn't take out a billboard. God's a one-on-one God. God loves to be chased. I used to tell people, when you get to heaven, there are four angels around the throne of God. Weird-looking things. They got six wings, with two wings to cover their face, with two wings to cover their feet, with two wings they fly. They have eyeballs on every side of their head. They are weird-looking things. If you go to heaven, and you will eventually, you're going to see these four creatures around the throne. All they do is praise God. God made four unique creatures that do nothing but they volley back and forth the throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, is, and is to come. That's what they say. The angel on the other side, he volleys back. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, is, and is to come. This angel volleys holy. If you go to heaven, you say, hey, God, what are these guys doing? He's going to say, they're praising me. Shut your mouth up. Listen to them. Holy, holy, holy. Well, how am I going to do this? We're going to do it forever. Shut your mouth up. Don't interrupt them. Holy, holy. The Bible says that God inhabits praise. Not gripes, not cussing, not cursing, not complaining. God inhabits praise. God goes where he gets thanked. God only shows up where he gets thanked. If God's not being thanked, he doesn't show up. And I've had family, because they know I'm a preacher. Well, why didn't God help me? Because you didn't ask him. You've been griping, thumb-sucking, cussing, complaining, hollering, throwing stuff at one another, hitting one another. God's not going to move in that. God shows up where he gets praised. That's why it's called the sacrifice of praise, because you don't feel like doing it. I don't feel like thanking God. That's why he's not showing up. You got to do it when you don't feel like it. All right. All right, I think we're getting ready to do something good now. You start thanking God, and he'll show up. God goes where he gets thanked. You got to start thanking him ahead of time. The sacrifice of praise. So I've taught my kids the whole life. Don't you ever call grappling about me. I had a daughter one time. She got a great job at a bank. And I went to her house, and things haven't been going good. And so uh, she's on the couch. She's got her Bible open, so I know she's serious about stuff. So what's wrong with you? She said, well, I've been working at this bank for three years. And it's a great job, really good job. And they promised me a raise three years ago. And it's been three years. They're not giving me a raise. I said, well, honey, the economy's bad right now. But you do have a job that pays good, so... It'll come. Well, no, I'm going to quit. I'm going to find me another job. I'm sorry. Who's hiring? I forgot. You barely got this job. Who's hiring? I, I didn't know somebody was hiring. Who's hiring? Well, I'm going to get me done. No, I already, I don't think that's good. And she said, fine. I said, okay, okay. All right. Well, I'll agree with it. I'll just agree. Well, good. So I grabbed her hands. Father, I set myself in agreement with my daughter, according to Matthew 18, 19. In Jesus' name, as long as she works for this bank, they'll never give her a raise. Many people in this bank will get raises, but not my daughter. In Jesus' name, I plead the blood. I bind the devil. She'll never get a raise while she works. Dad, what are you saying? I want what you want, baby. You believe you're not going to get one? I agree with you. You'll never get a raise. In Jesus' name, I plead the blood. They'll never give you a raise. Oh, everybody's going to get a raise. You will never get a raise. In Jesus' name. Dad, quit saying it. Well, you quit saying it. Eight months later, at the end of the year, she was employee of the year, and she got a, a triple boost in income. Life and death. In the power of the tongue. God's listening. Angels are listening. Demons are listening. They respond to this. Watch your mouth. If you can't say something good, don't say it. Now, listen, I, I remember I got spirit-filled when I was married. Been married about nine years. Got spirit-filled, and I, read, I learned. I'm been, my mouth's been running wild. And so my wife said, what are you doing? No. What are you thinking? You don't want to know. Well, what is it? It's not good. 
Well, tell me, I'm not saying a word because it's not good. I love you. God bless you. You're a gift from God to me. I worship the ground you walk on. God bless you. And we did that for about three months. It got ugly. <laughs> so finally one day, we bust out loud and said, you know, we need to start doing what's right. Yes, we do. So we started speaking life over one another. And uh, the next 30 years of our marriage was incredible because we learned how to live. Well, you never got attacked? Well, we got attacked. We did. I had one of my kids, 18 months old, got spinal meningitis, spent 10 days intensive care, almost died. And so we had to believe God to bring her back to life. Then they said, well, she's going to be deaf. We had to believe God to get her hearing back. Well, she's going to be mentally retarded. We had to believe God that her mind would work. So 10, 10 days and 10 scared, the doctor came. My still my family, he came and said, Joe, we can't find anything else wrong with her. I guess you can take her home. We get to believe God. We don't have to. We get to believe God every day. Now, well, what else is going to go wrong? A lot. Shut your face up and get busy using your faith. Resist the devil. And the best way to do this is start thanking God. Father, I just want to take a minute and thank you. I don't know what's going on, but I just want to thank you for just being you. You're just real stinking good. I'm sure you're good to somebody else right now, but I'd like you to be good to me. So I just want to start thanking you that you're good to me. I'm the redeemed Lord, and I'm going to say so. I'm blessed and highly favored. They just took my job away. They shut my company down. But I thank you there's another door opening up that's better than the one that just closed. Because you open a better door every time one closes. You get your mouth moving, and angels will start flapping wings and show up. We are the redeemed of the Lord, and we need to say so. Amen? Amen. Amen. Bow your heads. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free and keeps us free. Father, according to your word, we are blessed and highly favored. You said that we are surrounded with divine favor. People like us, and they don't even know why. So, Father, help us. Take blindness from our minds, enlighten the eyes of understanding. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you that we might know the hope of our calling, Father. We live in the greatest day of human history. Help us to make the most of it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, every head bowed, every eye closed, just for 60 seconds. Just one short minute. Nobody looking. One minute. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Two questions. Are you here this morning and say, Joe, I do not know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never, ever asked him into my heart. But God's been dealing with me, and I think I'd like to do something about that this morning. Well, if that's you, I'd like to pray a 30-second prayer over you right out of the book of Romans. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm simply going to ask you in a few seconds, if that's you, to raise your hand, wave it at me, and put it right back down. I'm going to see it. God's going to see it. If you're willing to acknowledge you need a Savior, God in heaven will save you right where you stand. Old things will pass away. All things will become new. God will make a new creature in Christ. It'll never get easier than this. Or perhaps you're today say, well, Joe, I'm saved. My life just hadn't turned out quite like I thought. Well, if that's you, you can pray the exact same prayer out of Romans. We're going to pray with these other people. And God in heaven will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He will turn the devil away. He'll renew your mind. He'll, he'll make you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. He'll bless what you set your hand to. So whether you're here and need to be saved, whether you're here and you just want to rededicate your life, God is going to do something for you. So with every head bowed now right closed, you say, Joe, that's me. I need to get born again today. Or, Joe, that's me. I need to rededicate, rededicate my life. If that's you on either count right now, would you simply just get your hand up, wave it at me, and put it back down? Joe, pray for me. I want to know I'm right with God. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? 
It'll never get easy. God does the saving. God does forgive me. He just needs our permission. Anyone else? Joe, I'm not raising my hand yet. Please include your prayer. Anyone else? All right. Hands down, heads bowed, and eyes closed. For those of you that raised your hands, we're going to pray with you. God's going to do the two greatest miracles he can do. He's going to save souls and forgive sins. So people, let's help them pray. Everybody in there, say this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I do believe he is your son. He died for me, and you raised him from the dead. I ask him now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me of my sin. I receive you by faith with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Now, Father, for those that raised their hands this morning, either for the first time ever or as a simple reaffirmation of their faith in you, according to your holy word and their obedience, as of right now, they are cleansed, forgiven, blood-bought, born-again children of God. Jesus Christ is their Lord. The devil's not their Lord anymore. They're your sheep. You're their shepherd. They're going to hear your voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Lord, as they lead today, would you surround them with divine favor? May people begin to look at them with a new set of eyes. And Father, bring godly friends in their life that will strike iron and cause them to grow and become all you want them to be. We thank you for them in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. give the Lord a hand clap, people. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at Believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.